You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. So we're going to continue again in Acts. Um, Man, I love Acts. I just... I love Acts. I say that about every, right? Every book I read, I'm pretty sure I've said that. <laughs> but, but right now, I really love Acts. And uh, last week, we were in Acts 4. We were talking about um, the fear of God versus the fear of man and how God gave the church the commission to go into the world and preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead. Those are the things that he commissioned the church to do. And we saw that um, Peter and John were... Um, brought forward and they were told to stop ministering, stop speaking the word of God. And they said, we can't, we either obey God or we obey you, we choose God. And that is where they kind of drew their line in the sand and they said, this is what we do. And so we're going to go to Acts 5 today and we're going to be talking about the church again. What is the church? What is our mission? What are we supposed to do? Um, You've heard it from me many times over you know, for a couple of months for sure, that we've talked about that, the, or that God has put forth is saying, it's time for the church to arise. Church, um, awake from your slumber. And those are the things that he keeps echoing. And it's not just in this church, he's echoing it all over, calling for the church to rise up again. And so whenever you hear God echoing something over and over again, well, whenever you hear God, but especially when he's echoing something over and over again, then it's our job to be like, what are you wanting us to wake up from? When you're calling for us to arise, what do you want it to look like, God? And so this is why we've been talking about the church. God, what is it that you want from us? Because we want to be the church that you've called us to be. So we're going to start in Acts 5. Um, we're going we're gonna to start in Acts 12. However, um, just because I don't really want to skip, I'm just going to quickly give you an outline of the beginning of Acts 5, which is Ananias and Sapphira. They are a part of the church in Acts. And um, they, uh, they have some land that they're going to sell. And they want to um, give all of the proceeds of that land to the church. That's their plan. And so they sell the land. And then once they get the money, they kind of are like, "Eh, we don't want to give all of it, so we'll keep some of it for ourselves, and then we'll give the rest to the church. Which would be fine, except they told the church that they gave it all. They never told about the, the parts that they kept for themselves. And so they brought the money before the church, and, you know, here's the money, we gave it all. And the Holy Spirit tells Peter that this is what's going on. And so Peter confronts them and says, is this all the money from the land? And they said, yep, absolutely, that's what it is. And so then Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. He says, it would have, this money was all yours. You could have done whatever you wanted to do with that money. You could have, you could have kept it all. You didn't have to give any of it, but you chose to. And then he says, but now you've lied. And so he confronts him. He says, you didn't lie to people. You, you lied to God. And with those words, they dropped dead. They kind of dropped dead separately from each other, but for, for time, that's what happened. So, so coming right off of that, Ananias and Sapphira, they die instantly because they've lied to God and not to man. And so verse 11 says this, and great fear came upon all the church and all who heard about it. Of course, Of course, because they just heard um, and they just saw two people 
die. So great fear came upon all the church. Suddenly they have a new res found respect for who God is. Verse 12. So then it goes on, it says, the apostles performed many signs, wonders, miracles among the people. And the believers were wonderfully united as they met regularly in the temple courts in the area known as Solomon's porch. No one dared harm them for everyone held them in high regard. Continually, more and more people believed in the Lord and were added to their number, great crowds of both men and women. In fact, when people knew Peter was going to walk by, they carried the sick out into the streets and laid them down on cots and mats, knowing the incredible power emanating from him would overshadow them and heal them. Great numbers of people swarmed into Jerusalem from the nearby villages. They brought with them the sick and those troubled by demons and everyone was healed. So like, this is excitement. Things are happening. Things are going on in the church, outside of the church as they're spreading the gospel. People are, people are coming to know Jesus. People are getting freed from demons. People are getting healed. Amazing things are happening. Revival is happening. But in the middle of all of these amazing things happening, persecution is also happening. There's trouble, there's opposition that's coming against the church. Verse 17, the high priests and his officials were formed, who formed the party of the Sadducees became extremely jealous over all that was happening. So they had the apostles arrested and placed in chains and thrown in jail opposition happening. And so as I began to study this and as I began to, to think about the church and what God is calling us to be, these are the questions that I want to ask you today before we move forward. I want, you to I want to ask you today, I'm not looking for an answer, I'm looking for you to search your heart. And it's this, what happens in your life and in your heart when following Jesus costs you something? How do you begin to respond when it becomes a sacrifice? And what would it take for you to stop doing what God has called you to do? Sobering, sobering questions. But what happens in your life and your heart when following Jesus begins to cost you something? Jesus said, if anyone should come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross. A lot of times we look at Christianity and we look at it, in, at least in the Western world, we look at it like, what can it do for me? How can it add to me and make my life better? And, and it does do those things. I mean, you know, Jesus loves to lavish things on you. And I mean, like it is life changing, it is. But there is a cost, make no mistake. And he says, Deny yourself, that means deny yourself. That means separate yourself. That means that, that last week we saw um, where they said, we can't obey you, we have to obey God. This week it means I can't obey my flesh. I, I can't obey what I want, my desires. It means I have to obey God. That's the decision. Deny yourself. And he says, and pick up your cross. Follow me. What's your cross? What's the cross that you bear? 
And sometimes that's being in positions that are uncomfortable, yet God calls you there. Positions where I don't wanna be here, I don't wanna do this, I don't wanna stay, this isn't working, this is hard. I said, this is an uncomfortable place for me to be. I want you to stay there. This doesn't seem to be bearing fruit. I want you to stay there. This can't be, this can't be what you have for my life, God. It's gotta be better. I want you to stay there. What is that? That's your cross. That's your cross. And, and Jesus says, if you're gonna follow me, this is what it's gonna take yet. Many times we, we look at it like, this is all gonna be wonderful. And, and it, but it's gonna take a dying to yourself. And I know, I know 100% this is an uncomfortable, not a rah-rah message. I said in the last service, I'm a millennial. I like things to sound really nice and comforting. <laughs> That, that's, how, that's how we're built. But these are truths of the Word of God that we don't often speak about. And I believe in this place is one of the places that he's calling the church to rise out of is that place of, I wanna be comfortable. The gospel is about me. The gospel is about what I can get from it. The gospel is about you, but it's also about others. It's also about sharing it. It doesn't stop with you. It was never meant to stop with you. It was meant to be shared. So here we have the apostles that are followers of Jesus. And now, once again, they found themselves being persecuted for what they believe, persecuted for what they're preaching, persecuted for what they're doing. Being told that they need to stop talking, stop talking about the name of Jesus. And I promise you that when you begin to share, when you take Jesus to the streets, the enemy will pay attention. He will try to silence your voice. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the gospel. There's power in the good news. It's the very thing that people are looking for. Jesus said, remember this. I love that, remember this. Jesus is saying, hey guys, listen, there's gonna come some persecution. There's gonna come some hard times. But he's saying, listen to me, remember this. Wherever you go, remember this. They persecuted me they're gonna persecute you. Remember this. As if when it happens, when you get to that place, remember, this is as it should be. They persecuted me, they're going to do the same. And he says that they'll hate you. They'll hate you because of my name. Verse 19. But during the night, the Lord sent an angel who appeared before them. He supernaturally opened the prison doors and brought the apostles outside. He said, go, the angel told him, stand in the temple courts and preach the word that brings life. I love that so much. Preach the word that brings life. 
So once again, the, the, the apostles are getting the same instructions, the same commissioning that Jesus left, go preach the gospel. Go, this is your commission, go do this, go preach the gospel. After they've been in prison, after they've been persecuted for what they believe in, he's saying, I want you to go back out and do it. That's your commission. This is what you've been called to do, go do it. And I'm reading this and I thought to myself, if I was put in prison for preaching the word of God, if I was put in prison or persecuted for being a pastor, whatever happens, right? I'm put in prison, would my first thought be, I'm gonna go and preach the gospel? Or in our North American world, have we been conditioned that if things go wrong, it can't be right? Like, would my thing be, I need to, I need to have a rest? I've been persecuted. And I'm not against rest, because God ordained rest. I'm just causing us to think a little bit farther, okay? So would my first thinking be, I need to rest because I've been persecuted? I need to restructure, rethink. I need to get around this persecution thing because it just shouldn't be happening. What would my thought process be? Or would I be offended with God because I was persecuted? God, I was doing what you wanted me to do. I was obeying you and it landed me in prison. Where were you? Thanks a lot, God. I think this is why Jesus said, remember, remember, remember this. They'll persecute you because they persecuted me. Remember, remember this. Don't get offended, just remember. They'll hate you because of my name. They'll hate you because of my name. And so the, 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 the apostles, they go right at it. They're, they obey. It's like, we have a commission. The angel says it, go preach. They're like, we're on our way. And they begin to preach the gospel right out of prison. And so my point number one is the church of God moves forward and accomplishes what God has called it to do when they obey, when we obey when we, as the church, live in obedience to God. We read Acts, or you read all throughout the New Testament, and man, they, they have this obedience. They, have, they listen to what Christ has to say, and then they do it. You see many stories, especially in Acts, where an angel shows up and says, you're going here today. All right, I'm headed on my journey, like I'm going. Radical obedience, and that was never meant to stop. It was never meant to end. We were always supposed to live in radical obedience to Jesus. That is Christianity 101. Obedient lifestyles to Christ. What is it that you want? So verse 21, so early that morning, they entered the temple courts and taught the people. The high priest and his 
officials, unaware of their supernatural release from prison, convened the members of the Supreme Council. They sent for the apostles to be brought to them from prison. Verse 22. But when the officers came to the prison cell, it was empty. They returned to the council and informed them, we found the jail securely locked and the guards standing by their cell, but when we opened the door, there was no one inside. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priests heard this report, they were perplexed and at a loss over what to make of it. Like, where did these guys go? Verse 25, someone came and informed them, the men you put in prison are out there standing in the temple courts teaching the people. So the captain of the temple guard and his officers went to arrest them once again, but without using force, for they were afraid the people would stone them. The, a number of people had grown and they were following. They were digging what the gospel had to say. They loved it. And so they had to gently and nicely take in the apostles like, hey friends, let's, let's go have coffee and talk, you know, because they didn't want to draw any attention to them or take them forcibly because they were scared they were going to get stoned. When they brought them before the council, the high priest demanded an explanation saying, didn't we strictly warn you that you were never again to teach that name? But instead you have now filled all of Jerusalem with this doctrine and are committed to holding us responsible for this man's death. Amazing, this gospel, what they've been speaking has now spread through all of Jerusalem. This is incredible, people are hearing the good news. And the men are upset because not only has it spread, but you're also charging us with the death of Jesus. You're telling them we killed Jesus. And so Peter and the apostles replied, we must listen to and obey God more than men. You had Jesus arrested and killed by crucifixion, but the God of our forefathers has raised him up. He is the one God has exalted and seated at his right hand as our savior and champion. He is the provider of grace as the redeemer of Israel. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God freely gives to all who believe in him. And when they heard this, they were infuriated and determined to murder them. So this is the same, almost exactly saying the exact same thing that we saw in Acts 4. Listen, guys, we obey God over man. And we have a commission to preach the gospel, and it's going to continue. That's what they're saying, it's going to continue. We have to preach the gospel, we have a commission. Church, we have a commission. That wasn't just for the apostles, it was for us as well. Preach the gospel, preach the good news. Tell them about me, as our commission too. And so number two, the church moves forward. The church advances as the church spreads the gospel, as the church preaches the good news. Not just the pastors, not just the leaders, the church, the church, that's you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit gives you utterance, meaning the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. You're like, I didn't go to Bible school. I haven't studied anything. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. Following Jesus may or will 
cause you to have to stand up against mainstream or even culture. It will cause you to have to go against the grain sometimes because of the truth of the Word of God. And I think that sometimes, I think even just in the church, in the world, we've lost ground, we've lost battles, we've lost things because we refuse to use our voice. We were silent when we should have spoke up. And so we lost these battles silently until we could no longer even affect culture because we kept silent for so long. And I, I love how the angel shows up and says to the apostles, go speak the words that bring life. Understanding that the words that we have bring life. The good news that we have, Jesus that we follow, those things bring life. They're light. We see the world is, is falling apart all around us. We know it, the world knows it, and we're the ones that are carriers of life, carriers of light. But we're silent. It's like that song when we were kids, hide it under a bush, oh no, <laughs> I'm gonna let it shine. Yet we've hidden because we were afraid of persecution. But the Bible says persecution will come because of my name, because of me. And understand that there is a world that is in chains and it is in bondage and they're waiting for the ones that will rise up. They're waiting for the carriers of light. They're waiting for the carriers of truth that will set them free. As the Bible say, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. It's the word of God. What's the truth? The word of God. What's the truth? Jesus. What does the Bible say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But we silent, just stay silent. The enemy will always try to silence the church. We'll always try to silence the word of God. We'll always try to silence the name of Jesus. Because it's the truth. It's what sets the captives free. It's what causes people to walk out of bondage. It's what causes the chains to fall off. When we become more concerned and what the world thinks of us rather than God, we begin, even unknowingly, worshiping the gods of comfort, of excess, wealth, position, power, and even the God of self, trying to protect self. When Jesus said, deny yourself. I know, I know this is an uncomfortable word. <laughs> but Jesus is calling the church out of comfort. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, 
who replaced darkness with light and light with darkness, who replaced bitter with sweet and sweet with bitter. I love the footnotes of that in my Bible. It said, their moral code is reversed as sin is accepted as something good. Not content to abandon what is good, they must label it as evil. Those who abandon the absolute standards of God's word will find a reversal of every true virtue. Good is mocked and evil is embraced. Light is ridiculed and darkness is worn like a cloak. The sweetness of God is called bitter and the bitterness of sin is called sweet. We have to understand that if God the Father who loves all of us, like every one of us, not just the people in the church, not just his church, everyone. God loves the world. He so loves the world. And, and only good comes from him, only good. So his word, his truth is good. And it's life to everyone. It's to bring life to everyone. So who are we to pick and choose what truth we'll talk about? What parts we'll hide? I heard a quote it says, we need to stop apologizing for the things that nailed our Savior to the cross. And I'm not talking about being mean. Mean Christians, rude Christians. I'm not talking about that. I don't like that. I hate that. God hates that. God is love. Jesus walked with people through their mess. He loved them through their mess. He didn't compromise, but he loved them. I'm not talking about talking down to people, any of that. I'm talking about standing up for truth. I, when I was a little girl, there was a story that was told at youth conferences and I don't even, everyone told it. I don't know if it's a true story. I literally, I just remember hearing it many times when I was a kid and it was about a school um, where gunmen came into a school and it must've been a Christian school and they came in and they were holding people at gunpoint and they were saying, you must deny the name of Jesus or else we'll kill you. And um, so people were saying, no, I stand up for Jesus and then they were being killed. And I remember being like, man, I would take a bullet for you, Jesus. I would not deny you, not a chance. I would not take a bullet, or I would take a bullet, I would do it. And I was thinking about that as I was studying this and, and kind of going over it, and the Holy Spirit's like, you know, if, if you can't stand up for all of my truth, would you take a bullet for me? If you pick parts here and there, if you won't speak about me to people, would you take a bullet for me? And I thought of Peter, right? Peter did that. Jesus is going out and Peter's like, Jesus, I got your back. 
I will walk with you. I, I'll take a bullet for you, Jesus. I'll be right beside you. Don't you worry. You and me, the rest, they ain't so stable, but you and me, Jesus, I got you. And what happens? Peter gets out there and he's like, see ya. I don't know, Jesus. Jesus who? <laughs> that guy? No, I've never seen him before. I don't know who that is. Nope. And Peter just pieces out and then we see Peter now and he's standing there being persecuted for what he believes and he's, and he's telling people over and over again, I choose God. What happened? What happened between Peter there and Peter in Acts? Something happened, something changed. What changed? The Holy Spirit. Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so like I said in the first service, I say it here too, if any of this, number one, makes you feel condemned, that's not the Spirit of God. All of this is for you to, to take a look inside your heart. What's the reality of my heart? And once you know what the reality of my heart is, man, there are some things that I'm hiding. Man, there are some things I wouldn't stand up for. Man, there's just, it's there. Then you repent from it, and then you ask the Holy Spirit to empower you. But if any part of this message makes you think I need to do better, I need to be better, I need to try harder, I need to work more, you will never do it. That's human effort, you can't do it. All of it was meant to be done with the Holy Spirit empowering you. All of it. So the difference between Peter denying Jesus and Peter standing up saying, I choose God, is what we saw in Acts 4 when he said, okay, Holy Spirit, they're talking about us. Holy Spirit, it's not good. We need you to, to empower us with unrestrained boldness. And that's the position of the church. Holy Spirit, empower us. So the call of the church and how it advances is as they boldly share the gospel. This is where we're going. This is us. Like I said, both weeks, it's time to come out. We're coming out. It's time to come out. We're coming out. Armed. What did, what did Jesus come out of the wilderness? How did he come out? Armed with the Holy Spirit and power. Coming out, church. 34. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a noted religious professor who was highly respected by all, stood up. He gave orders to send the apostles outside. Then he said to the council, Men of Israel, you need to be very careful about how you deal with these men. Some time ago, there was a man named Phidias who rose up claiming to be somebody. He had a following of about 400 men, but when he was killed, all of his followers were scattered and nothing came of it. After him, in the days of the census, another man rose up, Judas the Galilean, who got people to follow him in a revolt. He too perished, and all of those followers, all of those that followed him were scattered. So in this situation, you should just leave these men to themselves. For if this plan or undertaking originates with men, it will fade away and come to nothing. But if this movement is of God, you won't be able to stop it. And you might discover that you were fighting God all along. God, let it never be that we are fighting you. But this verse reminds me of when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell 
will not prevail against it. If this movement is of God, you will not be able to stop it. You will not be able to stop it. The church moves forward, the church advances by the very protection and hand of God. If it's God, you can't stop it. If God is in this, relax, breathe. In fact, when I was putting this down and people that are called to certain things and you know, you've picked up your cross, you're following them and you know God has put you in this place. If God puts you in that place, breathe, relax. Breathe. Gamaliel's words convinced the council, so they brought the apostles back in and had them severely beaten. They ordered them next, never again to speak the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. The apostles left there rejoicing, thrilled that God had considered them worthy to suffer disgrace in the name of Jesus, and nothing stopped them. They kept doing it. They kept preaching every day in the temple courts and went from house to house preaching the gospel of Jesus, God's anointed one. The church moves forward. The church advances through the sacrifice of God's people in whatever capacity because it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice that's I'm asking you brother it's gonna take sacrifice you're gonna have to lay down your life I'm asking you lay down your life for this it's gonna cost you it's not a popular message but it's worth it. And it says that the apostles, they're, they're beaten. They suffered disgrace and they left rejoicing. You understand that the, what the apostles, what was happening to the apostles is that they were being publicly shamed. They felt shame. They felt the pain of it. They felt the pain both emotionally and physically of the persecution they were going for. It hurt. as they left rejoicing and I thought God I haven't suffered persecution anything close to that but I have felt the pain of people turning their backs on me of people talking about me I've felt the pain of that it hurts and I've never once rejoiced <laughs> how do you get that the Bible says count it all joy I I'm not sure that I've counted all joy. And in fact, the Holy Spirit's been talking about this with me for the last couple of weeks. Megan, I said it would come. Did you not think? More's coming. I said in the last service, I don't hear that, you know, persecution has happened and hear about whatever people or whatever things. And I don't wait for my husband to come home so that I can celebrate with him. <laughs> But yet, the apostles, they walk away rejoicing. And I thought about it, I'm like, how, how? And I thought of Jesus. 
The Bible says in Hebrews that he endured the cross because of the joy set before him, which was knowing you. That's how he endured the cross, was knowing you, just the joy of it. I get through this, I get to know them. I get through this, I, I get to have relationship with them. And I think that the apostles echoed that. I get to know Jesus. That's my joy. And that's why, that's why it's not just a cute saying, this isn't religion, it's relationship, because you, you literally have to come out of the religious box. We have to come out of it, church. Because persecution, it is coming. And religion will not sustain you. It has to be the joy of knowing Him. It's the very joy of knowing Him. Not an easy word, <laughs> but a good one. <laughs> and lastly, like I said before, and praise and worship team, you can come that all of this, every bit of scripture, not all of it, every part of scripture that you read, you cannot read it through the place of, I need to be better. It has to be read through the filter of, Holy Spirit, empower me. Holy Spirit, do a work in me. All of it is done through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it in our own human efforts. It won't work. That's why Jesus said, I'm going away. And I'm leaving you this commission. I'm leaving you these things that, I'm, that you're going to need to do. You're gonna continue after I'm gone. I'm going away, but I'm sending you a helper. It's the Holy Spirit. That's why you can't think, don't think you can do any of it on your own. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. So whenever you read, whatever, you, whatever it is that God is speaking to you about Holy Spirit, empower me, empower the church, empower us, empower me at my job, empower me with my children, empower me when I'm working at the church, empower me to do all that you've called me to do, empower me to spread the gospel, empower me to lay hands on the sick, empower me to lay hands on the sick and raise the dead, empower me to cast out demons in your name, empower me to speak the gospel. It's all about the Holy Spirit at work in you, the helper, the helper. So as you go today, I'm gonna to ask you the questions again for you to ponder in your own heart. And all you do is once you recognize there's something, there's something to us, there was something to it in me, it's like, you're right, you're right. 
God, I do, I twist things. I, I, I turn it just a little bit so that I don't offend when the gospel will offend. Maybe hide my light just a little bit. Not, to, not meant to be condemning, meant to be life-changing. The Holy Spirit brings things up so He can change you. So what happens in your life or in your heart when following Jesus costs you something? How do you begin to respond when it becomes a sacrifice? And what would it take for you to stop doing what God has called you to do? And then repent and then pray, Holy Spirit, empower me. Empower me. This is an area I need you to empower me in. Breathe on this. So Father, we just thank you so much for calling us, your church, to rise up, to come out of hiding, to come out of the place of sleeping. We want that, God. We want to follow you. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you empower us. Empower us to fulfill the commission. Empower us in bold, courageous obedience, in radical obedience. Empower us to spread the gospel. Empower us to live lives of denying ourselves and sacrifice. Because we want your kingdom come. We want your will to be done. And we want to be carriers and beacons of light, carriers of hope carrying the message that brings life. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you for being our helper. Empower us. Empower us to do all that we are called to do. We thank you. Amen. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.